Waters presents The Way of the Master, Monaco. The most common objection I hear concerning the Bible is that it can't be trusted as God's Word because, well, it was written by man and everyone knows that men make mistakes. In actuality, the Bible was written through men by God. And speaking of how the Scriptures are written, 2 Peter 1 tells us that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible writers were not inspired as great artists or inspired to produce great art. The word translated inspired, it means God breathed. It literally conveys the idea of God breathing out the Scriptures. Man was the instrument used by God to convey his thoughts in the Bible. Now, the Bible is not one book, but 66 compiled under one binding, written over a period of 1,500 years by about 40 different authors from all walks of life, from varying occupations, written in three different languages on three different continents, during times of peace and in times of war. The Bible's authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write on hundreds of controversial subjects, yet with absolute harmony from the beginning to the end. Now think about this. Say we interview five people of the same nationality, working at the same job, living in the same town during the same year, and we ask each one of them to speak their mind on one controversial subject. What are the chances that they're going to agree? And yet despite all the differences in the lives of those who pen the scriptures, the Bible is absolutely harmonious from beginning to end. The Bible's remarkable continuity is evidence of its divine origin. And this unity is due to the fact that ultimately it has one author, God. The Bible served as a basis for modern scientific pursuits. In fact, modern science was birthed in the 17th century because of a belief in an unchanging God of order, purpose, and consistency. The God portrayed in the Bible. It is filled with numerous medical and scientific facts and has been at the forefront of modern-day science. When scientists thought that the earth was flat, the Bible describes the true shape of the earth and how it is suspended on nothing. Before oceans were explored, the Bible knew of the existing valleys and fountains and springs down in its depths. It even mentioned the hydrologic cycle with great clarity, thousands of years before science even had a drop of insight. It is the only spiritual book that contains fulfilled prophecy. Messianic prophecy, for example, foretold us that the Messiah would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem and that he would be rejected by his own people, yet bear their iniquities and save his people from their sin, which ultimately came to fruition at the cross when Jesus proclaimed, It is finished. The Bible is God's living and powerful word. It can be trusted because it is inerrant, inspired, and infallible. And though it has no contradictions, it certainly does have mistakes. The first one was when man rejected God back in the garden. Don't do the same. Get your copy of the Monaco episode today at livingwaters.com. According to Dr. Bill Brooks,
It's time for us to start opening our mouths. The church needs to speak great sinful government. Did you know that? That is historical. It needs to speak great sinful government. It needs to say, what you are doing is wrong. Do you remember back in the day when John the Baptist preached against the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, and he preached against Herod? And he said, it's unlawful for you to have my brother's wife. He wasn't afraid to preach against the sinful government. And today's church needs to be a man of donkey and start preaching. Amen? We need to start bringing a message that is going to be heard throughout our nation. And that message is God's people, God's church, God's house, God's family, the bride of Christ is going to start Oh, 
need to be some better apprehension. We need to be those, don't be too on this side of family. It's time for the dads of America to stop telling their families that we are more than just that family. We can be more than telling somebody. It's time for doctors to start talking all over this country and say, there's the angel of the Lord around the corner. You better get right because you better die. It's time for dads to open their mouth. We overlap up here for the wise guys. Let's please open our about Balaam's talking donkey right there? The original talking donkey. No, it's not talking yet. Let go of it. In our culture sense nowadays, that's usually the picture of Balaam's donkey right there. They get the idea of this talking donkey that stays on his head.
branches of a cherubim. Absalom to you. Sometimes, church, you end up with Absalom on your back. So there's nothing you can do about it. The Bible tells us what'll happen. The devil goes around seeking whom he may devour. And he loves to get on. He gets that hard right now. He loves to weigh you down, to load you down. He loves to discourage you. He loves to use you. He loves to have people talk about you. And when that gets tired of listening to you, you're going to find out you got an Absalom on your back. Absalom hurts on me. Absalom disparages on me. And all you want to do is get scared of them. What you need to do is learn the picture of Absalom's guilt. Absalom's guilt wasn't running to a tree. I need you to understand the picture there. You need to go run into a tree. Because this tree isn't a terrible tree. The tree you need to run to is on Calvary, the cross of Jesus Christ. And you need to unload your burden there and leave it for good. Perhaps you got an Absalom on your back. That Absalom's been there for years. It's time for you to run to the cross and say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me. Jesus, make me brand new. I've got this Absalom on my back. Somebody help me get rid of him. You know what? You can't do anything with this Absalom, can you? Sometimes you've got to just hang on to it. Sometimes you've got to run underneath it and let God reach his hands out and grab a hold of the hair or the head of Absalom and pull him off of your back. You know what the Bible says about that? Look at the end of verse 9 there. And the mule which was under him went on. Then God takes your burden away. Don't hang around for it to come back. You need to get yourself moving on. Learn this lesson about Absalom's mule, Absalom's donkey. When God takes your burden away, don't hang around for it to come back. Get moving. Get trotting and find yourself somewhere. Learn from Absalom's mule. We've learned already from Balaam's donkey. You need to start speaking. You need to start teaching. You need to start preaching. You need to say to those around you, that's wrong, that's sinful, that's immoral, that's not right. You need to start being uh, the donkeys that are realizing who Jesus is and around you that he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You need to start being a mule that says, I need to get Absalom off of my back. Let's just look at one more example. One of my favorite ones up here. And before we do that, let's take a look at one more verse about Absalom's mule. Can you imagine this? Chapter 15, kind of go back to that one we just had getting ready, ready for that. Look at it again in uh, chapter 4. Look at this in verse 25. The Bible says, And though there is in the multitude, do ye not know that the foolishness of the world is coming on you? That word foolishness means an enemy. When you are a friendly with the world, you become an enemy with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Maybe you think about this this morning, brothers and sisters, that just comfortable with what is around the corner from Balaam. Perhaps you become comfortable thinking everybody is sinning against you. Look at our poor donkey here. Let's just be real about this. He's not living up to it. That's not a real picture of him. I know the man on the donkey and I love him. One of my favorite comes from the outside. Look at page 25. Look at page 25. Look at page 25. 
We claim to be claimed, but if you are truly claimed, you are going to find yourself obeying God's Word. And if you will start obeying, you will find yourself in Elijah. You will find yourself on that mountaintop experiencing God in His fullness. You want to know God? You want to know Him and the power of His resurrection? You want to know Him and His goodness? Start obeying what His Word says. And right here we can learn that we need to bring our children with us. Have you been afraid to take your children? Have you been afraid to bring your grandchildren? Are you afraid to talk to your wife? Be an Abraham and say, me and my family are going up on the mountain. And the rest of y'all can just stay back home. We need, come on, to Abraham. Church, these scriptures simply teach him. These scriptures simply teach him. He left the servants behind to eat the donkey. Do you know what he's saying there? Do you know what's happening there? Sometimes, now listen to me now. Sometimes you've got to leave some folks behind you. In other words, church, you've got to leave people behind with a dumb old donkey. Amen. You've got to leave them behind. Just call them a dumb old donkey. You know who a dumb old donkey is? It's a person who says, I know the gospel, I know the Bible, but I would rather stay in my sin. I'd rather stay in my adultery. I'd rather stay in my alcoholism. They're just a dumb old donkey. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to leave you behind when they realize they don't need you to get them on the mountain. Sometimes you have to leave the dumb donkeys behind. And this is what donkeys do. You know, I've got a few of them. I don't have them. There's always a few dumb donkeys around. You know, just always, there's always somebody calling me saying, Pastor, what does this mean? And I love to interpret those things. I love to hear biblical explanations. But there's always somebody who wants to try to put me on the spot. Oh, yeah? Well, that's what this means. Well, what does this mean? Oh, I love the Jesus. And then I bring them back to the cross. And they say, well, it doesn't have to be today. You've got to take them up on the mountain. You've got to bring them to the mountain. Sometimes you have to leave folks behind. In other words, you've got to leave them behind with those dumb donkeys. See, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Look here in John chapter 14. Look at here in verse 14. Jesus tells them. He says, do not give what is holy to the dogs. You know what dogs want to eat in the temple? People who want Jesus to come down and have a relationship with them. There's people who do not speak of Jesus. You cannot disciple somebody who's not saved. Amen? It's impossible. It's a spiritual inability. They may not know the treasures of Jesus Christ until they surrender to Jesus Christ. Don't give what's holy to the dogs. He also says don't cast your pearls before swine. You can't cast your pearls before swine. You can't cast your pearls before swine. Don't cast your pearls. What's a pearl? A pearl is a parable. If you read the mystery with them, study, find out that the Pharisees and the Judaism teachers used to use a pearl to cast their pearls. Don't cast your pearls before swine, for they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to shreds. No, sometimes you've got to leave those donkeys behind. Just give me a little bit of picture of that donkey here. Sometimes you've got to leave those donkeys behind. Do you know that man right there? Leave him behind. You got a dumb donkey in your life that's trying to keep you in alcoholism, trying to keep you in the sin. You have a dumb donkey that's trying to keep you from going up on the mountain. Leave him behind. Leave him over here, brother. Leave him over here, brother. Leave him over here. Let me see if I can get this thing to work. Let me see if I can show you something here. When I spoke to Abraham about this, I said, hey, man, I want you to do this. He does this. He says, 